experienced that in your life and experience that corporately. It's one thing to experience. I've experienced it in my life a lot. I haven't had to see uh, the opportunity a lot to see it corporately, even though I've been in church a lot. And I've experienced a handful of times, and when you do, it is beautiful. And it is something that you contend for. And what I mean by that is there's a unity. When the Holy Spirit places a unity, he places a stamp of approval on something, and, and people are submitted, not to the person, but to the Holy Spirit and to God who's in control, it creates an environment, an atmosphere where all things are possible. Because Jesus said, if you will lift me up, and when we're worshiping and praising, we're lifting up the name of Jesus, and we're proclaiming Jesus is king. He draws all men unto him. And God doesn't play um, like, like, I'll have part of you or some of you, or you can have part of my glory and I'll have part of my glory. He's an all the way God. So if we want to contend and have like our glory mixed with his glory, then he'll say, go ahead and have your glory, but you won't have any of mine. And I just want to say, church, you're doing a wonderful job of contending for his presence and in having an environment that he comes in freely, that he comes in and, and he is, I believe, pleased to have uh, his presence felt and to have people looking to him as the hope of salvation. Amen. So um, I just want to thank you for that. And, and it's worth contending for when I mean contend, not that you're going to fight over that, but the enemy does not like unity. He does not like there to be peace. Uh, because unity is a very, very powerful anointing. When, when brothers and sisters come together, it is precious and it is, has a powerful anointing. And the word anointing means it breaks the yoke of bondage. It's powerful. So when there is that, the devil doesn't like it. So he will try to come in and go, well, did you see what so-and-so was wearing? Or, oh my gosh, this person, they didn't even shake my hand today. Like, I would, just dumb stuff. And it will cause, I've, I've, I've had people get so offended um, not here, but other churches. <laughs> One time for reals, I'm seriously like, I was shaking hands with everybody and, and the person was just like five people deep. So I couldn't like, it would have been uncomfortable to get like really tight in the row. And this was a church that had pews. So like you're almost touching other people to get to them. So I like shook hands as far as I could reach. And then I was like, hey, the person got super offended. and was like, like mead mugging me for like a month. And finally I'm like, what the heck? I had to go out, and they were, like, walking out, and I went down, like, what's going on? Like, well, you didn't shake my hand, and you shook my, my boyfriend's hand, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry, I just, you were, like, way out of reach, and is that it? Yep. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> you guys, the devil will use any little thing that we'll give him. So let's not give him anything, amen? That's what I mean by contend. If, is, if, if it's a little thing, just, you know what, we all have our moments, right? We all have days where we just didn't wake up on the best side of the day or we got, like, busy with other stuff. And so let's, let's give each other the benefit of the doubt as brothers and sisters. Amen. Amen. We just give each other the benefit of doubt knowing, like, you know what, my family loves me and I love my family. So I'm just going to have a little thicker skin. Amen. And when we do that and when we prefer one another and we love on one another, Jesus is so happy and he's exalted, and he loves to come in and hang out in that environment. Amen? How many like that environment? Yeah. Like, how many wants to hang out when there's like, mech, 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 mech? like, you could get that everywhere else, <laughs> right? But you could come into his house and have love for one another, and it's different, amen? And you want to hang out there. Well, the Holy Spirit loves hanging out in that environment, amen? All right, that was for free, um, and super, super awesome, Amen? I love peace. 
I love peace. Like, I will fight if we have to, but I'd rather have peace. I mean, nobody really, like, if you fought very much, you really don't like it. Like, nobody really wins, but peace is awesome. And Jesus come that we'd have peace. Amen? He's the prince of it. So I'm very grateful for that, and I love peace. And uh, sometimes in order to have peace, you have to bite your tongue, take a shot here or there, and uh, see worth it, if it's worth a battle worth fighting. Amen? Husbands and wives, you understand that, right? Choose your battles. <laughs> and ultimately, you, you, husbands and wives, we learn that um, sometimes winning isn't winning. <laughs> sometimes winning is not winning. Um, I've won, I thought, a handful of times and didn't feel very good about it. And I was right a handful of times and found out I was wrong even though I thought I was right. And then Jenny had to pray. No, just kidding. <laughs> No, it never works that way, does it? And then we have to pray. Isn't that awesome about our God? We want to so badly go, look at them, but they. And he just is like, I'm, but I'm talking to you. And, and we can know that he'll talk to them. But even if he doesn't talk to them, he's going to talk to us. Amen? I, I love that about him, and sometimes I don't like it, but I love it. <laughs> um, he's so good with us. So if you have your Bibles, I'll quit rambling. And uh, we've been on a journey for a while on the gifts to the body from Jesus. And it's in Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 13. And he said, and he himself, speaking of Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. All for the purpose of this, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Yes. Until we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So how long are these gifts going to be with us? I could simply say as long as the church is here, right? He says until we all, until we become perfect men. Nope, we're not there yet. I look in the mirror every single morning and I go, nope, not there yet. Not the full stature and the fullness of Christ, but together we're working on that, amen? Together we are edifying, building up one another so that we can be one of these days, amen? So, in, But until that day, we are going to need those gifts, amen? And aren't you glad you have people sitting amongst you that have those gifts, that we build up one another, we encourage one another? And aren't you glad that Jesus thought it was so important that before, as he was ascending, he distributed the gifts? Yay! I'm glad he did that. So... We've went through the apostles, the uh, prophets, the evangelists, and we're on the pastors, teachers, and I'm focusing mostly on the shepherding part of the pastors now. Um, if you weren't here last week, you missed out on the first part, and uh, I'm going to move on to the second part. And good Lord, I don't know, the second, the first service this morning, I thought I had things laid out, and it went like, like worse than normal, Richard. <laughs> so I don't even know, like I was trying to like, oh, I, I guess I could try to do what I did the first service. Well, I'm looking at this going, what did you do? <laughs> well, um, what did I do? I did some stuff, I know that. <laughs> we're going we're gonna, to, uh, the first point of, of last week's message was quit fishing and feed my sheep. That's what Jesus told Peter. And uh, in the process of that, we can look at what, what Jesus did with Peter as Jesus rubbing his nose in it by asking him, do you love me? 
He asked Peter three times, do you love me? That's, that's not what Jesus was doing. Jesus was reinstating Peter. He was reinstating Peter. He was giving, because Peter failed him miserably, but he was reinstating Peter. And that, that point was quit fishing and feed my sheep. The second point of today's message is message received. How many know it's one thing that Jesus gives us a message, but it's a whole other thing if we receive the message. So, so Jesus gave the message to Peter, and I love this section. In 1 Peter, Peter writes his book, and you see the message is received. Because now Peter's at a point that he is speaking to other leaders of the church, and he's equipping them. Now watch what he says. First uh, Peter chapter 5. This is going to be so different. Praise the Lord. Fun. It says the elders, and that word in the Greek is presbyteros. The elders who are among you, I exhort. I, who am a fellow elder, in the Greek says co-presbyteros. Now, I want us to see something. There's all kinds of different thoughts on who Peter is because Jesus called Peter the rock. And he said, upon this rock, I will build my church. He wasn't building the church upon Peter himself. He was building the church upon the statement that came out of Peter's mouth that said that he said, who do you say that I am? He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, you're the Messiah. And Jesus said, upon that rock, I will build my church. Now, this is pretty cool that fast forward a couple thousand years. And there's questions of who Peter is. Is Peter the, the, like the pope? Is Peter like the, the head of the church? Well, this is Peter. What Peter says, he says, he writes, he says, to the elders who are the presbyters among you, I exhort, I am also a co-elder, a co-presbyter. He says, I'm one of you. I'm on the same level as you. You see that? That's pretty important. How many know every single word that's in God's word is pretty awesome? It's there for a reason. It's there so we can like go, oh, He's one of them. He's, he's like a leader in the church. He's a pastor. He's a shepherd. So that's, wh that's what Peter's role is there, and he identifies that. And he says, I'm a witness of the suffering of Christ, and also, which makes him an apostle, also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Woo! Peter was on the Mount of Transfiguration and got to see some of that glory. He says, I've also been a partaker of that, of what is coming. Peter got a glimpse. Woo, church, we're getting ready to have some of that. I went to a wedding yesterday. It was pretty cool, but we're getting ready for a wedding. I don't know if you know that. Like, it is going to be one heck of a celebration. Like, it's mm, 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 for a long time, okay? <laughs> yeah. You, you don't think so? Oh, I'm telling you. You have not partied like it's going to be going on in heaven. Like, I just need you to know this. Like, I'm not making this up. Satan can only pervert what he's seen. Satan can only twist. Like, he can't create nothing. If you think you've partied down here, you have not even begun to party. There, you, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. Okay? It's going to be popping. So, you're not going to want to miss it. Just saying. <laughs> no, just <laughs> He goes on, he says, And I was a witness of suffering of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that would be revealed. Shepherd the flock. What did Jesus tell, tell Peter? Feed my sheep. He said, tend and take care of my flock. Take care of my lambs. And Peter, feed my sheep. What is Peter saying? Shepherd the flock. Take care of the flock. Care for my flock. Peter is doing exactly what Jesus told Peter. 
message received. Now what's he do? He says, the shepherd, the flock of God, who is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. So Peter's saying, hey, it's real important why you do this. It's real important, leaders, what you're motivated for in leading. He's saying, don't do this for like selfish gain. Don't do this so you can be seen. Don't do this so that you can be the person that's like the man of the hour or the woman of the hour that when you come in, people are like, oh my God, they're awesome. Don't do it so that you can get a fat paycheck. That message should probably be preached. If you're doing it for that reason, you're doing it for the wrong motive. And he goes on to say, and he, he gets the message received very well. Basically, Peter gets it. He says, you need to make sure the only reason that you're serving is that you love him. Remember, Peter had questions three times. Do you love me? Do you love Then feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Tend for my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. So Peter's going to look. There's all kinds of reasons, but I'll tell you there's one main reason, and it better be for this reason, that you love him. That's the only thing that really qualifies you for service, church, is that you love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you do that, you're qualified. Someone needs to hear that. Don't do it for dishonest gain and do it eagerly. Eagerly. Oh, I get to. I get to serve. I get to be poured out. I get to be squeezed. Because it's going to come. And as my friend Dan Moeller, I don't know him, but someday I'm going to meet him. That guy is the most lovingly challenging person on the planet. And he can just shred me, my flesh, when I say me, in a million pieces, and it's so lovingly done that I like him. That's Jesus in him. And he says this, if at any point you're squeezed, and if you're saying you're an orange, and you're squeezed, and anything but orange juice comes out, then you're not an orange. Church, if we say our, I'm a Christian, and I'm, I'm like Jesus, I'm a follower of Christ, and then when, when the pressure comes, when the squeezing and, and, and comes, and everything but Jesus comes out, it identifies that we may not know him like we say we do. Right? John told us that if you say you love me, then you will follow in the steps that Jesus, that Jesus walked in. We'll walk like he did. Now, how many are there? Every time you get squeezed. Nope. How many can say, you know, it's getting better? It's more often orange juice <laughs> than prune juice. <laughs> I didn't prepare that, so I felt that was fresh off the press. <laughs> he goes on, he says, don't do it dishonest gain, do it eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. You need to lead by example. And when the chief shepherd comes, here, Peter, I'm not the chief shepherd. I'm a co-laborer. I'm a co-presbyter. But when the chief shepherd comes, that means the man of the hour, the one that's in charge. When he comes, this is for the leaders. You will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Isn't that wonderful? 
There's something going to come for those leaders that have stood the test. They didn't run when the, when the thief came. They, they shepherded. They tended. They didn't do it for, for um, what they could get out of it. They laid down their life, and they, they served as God, as God called them to. There's a crown that they will receive, and it'll never fade. It's a beautiful thing. We're not doing things for, for what you can get now. You're doing things not even for what you can get then. You're doing it because you love him, and you are willing to lay down your life. And if you're willing to do that, he says, I have a crown for you. Isn't that something? Now, verse 2, the word used for shepherd was the poimiano. It means to tend as a shepherd, to feed, to rule. So he says to, to do that with the flock, to tend to them, to rule, and to protect. He goes on and he says to feed and care for the flock. That's what shepherds do. He goes on and he says, make sure you do it out of love. This is what my interpretation of what Jesus says here about not dishonest gain or eagerly, but, but I would say, he said, he's, Peter's telling people, make sure you do it for love, for nothing else. I think Peter learned his lesson. He heard that message from Jesus and he never forgot it. I'm going to do this and I'm going to serve because I love him. Amen. He, three times he was restored and he was restored into love. And he said, do you love me? And Peter so unselfishly this time said, I don't agape you. I phileo you. I won't even say I love you like you love me. And it's, aren't you guys glad that God was okay with that? Jesus said, I'm okay with that, Peter. Just tell me that you love me. I'm not expecting you to love me how I love you. Like, that's been a prayer in my life, and I felt so ashamed so many times going, God, I don't even love you right. You've done so much for me, and I don't even feel like I even love you right. Like, how can I love you like you love me? Guess what? He didn't ask Peter that. He asked him twice, do you agape me? Because Peter was making those bold statements, and he wanted to reinstate Peter. The last time he said, Peter, do you phileo me? Yeah. He said, yeah, I do, Lord. Okay, good. We're good. You guys, do you love him? All right. We're good. We're good. That's what Jesus is saying. So my other words is this. He's, he's telling Peter, and Peter's telling the other leaders, don't power trip. Don't lead in such a way by that. What I mean is he's, he's saying don't lead in, in this way because I said so. Right? That's just power tripping, just because I said so. He said don't lead that way. Peter, don't, don't, don't. Uh, and Peter's saying to the other leaders, don't do that, you guys. Lead by example. And that was, I think, very powerful because, remember, Peter made some bold statements. Peter said, he told Jesus, I'll never, I'll never leave. Like, he goes, I'll go to jail for you. I'll give my life for you. And that night he bailed. But you know what? Peter followed through on that. You know, sometimes we want to get hung up on how the first part of the story happened. But Peter didn't quit. Peter was reinstated. And guess what Peter did? When it, when it came time, he led by example. He did what Jesus did. He fed the flock. He took care of the sheep. And he went to prison. He didn't deny Christ. He went to prison. And our church history tells us that Peter was crucified. He didn't recant on Jesus. And I, I believe that, that message of, of, the, of Jesus asking, do you love me? And he, he knew, I don't love you the same way. When it came time for him to be crucified, he said, don't crucify me with my, like my Lord was. I'm not worthy to be crucified like he was. And he was crucified upside down. Jesus, Jesus touched Peter in such a way. And Peter, the title of my second point was message received. Message received. Aren't you glad that Jesus is, pa is patient with us? 
that he loves us enough to restore us. And, and if we will walk with him and we will stay in contact with him, he will use us even though we've blown it miserably. Even though we failed miserably, he can restore us and he will use us and we can be faithful to those claims. How many of you are glad for that? Amen. Just because you failed doesn't mean it's over. Just because you denied him once doesn't mean that he's denied you or he's given up on you. Aren't you glad? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just turn the page. Beth, I'm going to go into what we didn't prepare. But we had, Beth's so awesome, she got it going. If you keep reading in this passage of scripture, I'm going to jump into verse 6. Peter goes on, he says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Church, we got to get to a place that we understand, like Peter did, how much he loves us. One of the things I think that that torments us and, and keeps us from really achieving what God has for us is we don't understand the depth of his love for us. We get so concerned. He says, we need to cast, Peter's saying, you need to cast your cares upon him. You think Peter might know what he's talking about? You think Peter ever had a time in his, in his dark night of his soul of wrestling with the devil and, and, and being beat up by the enemy that he might have to do some gymnastics with the word of God to be able to, to set some things right in his heart and his mind? So Peter's saying, hey, you need to cast your cares on him. What are those things that are, are messing with your mind? What are those things that are weighing heavy on you? Make sure you cast those on him. Church, I don't know what they are for you, but, but there could be all kinds of uh, different, that you failed God, that you're not enough, that you'll never be able to accomplish the things that he's put in your heart. You've done too much. I don't know what it is, but you're supposed to take those things and cast them. You ever been fishing? You take a, a fishing pole. Someone's getting a message. <laughs> you take a fishing pole and you launch that thing out there as far as you can. And I would challenge you to do that into the sea of forgetfulness. When I was a youth pastor, we got to take a group of kids to Bear River Reservoir. Polly, you were in on that one. And uh, we had the kids during the week collect some rocks, and they wrote down. Actually, we did it with the last year, too. Wrote down some of those cares, some of those things that the enemy had been messing with them on. And then at the end of camp, we went to the dam, and we had these big old rubber band slingshots. And two guys would get on the end, and then they would take those things on those rocks, and they would pull back as far as they could, and they'd launch those things out into the deep. And I told him, I said, you'll never be able to go back and get those. Don't ever go back and try to bring those things up because they've been cast into the sea of forgetfulness. Amen? So, so Peter's saying, cast those, those shortcomings, cast those failures, cast those cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you, church. He cares for you. He loves you so much. We get so concerned with all of our failures and our shortcomings, and we allow fear to grip us. And we think, oh, what if I'm not enough? What, what if what I have isn't enough? What if what I say doesn't do what it's supposed to do? And God's calling us saying, go, I want you to move. I want you, I want you to be my hands and feet. And we allow the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy because we're in fear, because we haven't cast our cares on him. And here's this, the hard truth, because we probably don't really believe that he does care for us. We don't trust him all the way yet. And we don't trust in that love that cleanses a multitude of sin. That love, that is, it is laying down his life for us, not vice versa. We're not trusting that his love will never fail us. So then we allow, because we're not trusting that perfect love that casts out all fear. And when we really come into that relationship with who he is, and we believe and we're planted in his love, and we begin to grow out of that place, 
when those fears come and those things come, we're very quickly be able to go get behind me. Because I know better than that. I know my father loves me. I know that when he looks down upon me, he sees the blood of Christ and he goes, that's my son in whom I'm well pleased. That's my daughter who brings me so much delight. He's not sitting there as the accuser because he is, you've been washed. And you have been covered by his perfect love. And so you guys need to get that today. That we're not, we're not operating from a place of fear. We're not operating from a place of lack. We're not going like, oh no, what if I can't? It has nothing to do with that. Your strength is made perfect in your weakness. His strength comes alive. His strength produces and is fruitful in your weakness. It's when you go, God, I can't do this. God, I have no power to be able to accomplish that purpose and that mission. That he goes, finally, you get it. You're right. You can't do that. But, oh, I can. And that's, I've been waiting for you to get to that point so that you would know that it's not about you. It's in spite of you. I'm going to use all of your failures, all of your hurts, all of the things that you've done wrong so that I can be glorified, so that you won't ever take the credit. And the world will be changed by that. And if we're not broken and we're not been, been walked through those things, we're going to have a tendency to go, look at me. I'm so awesome. I've got the greatest education. I've got the greatest anointing. I was mentored by this guy and this guy, and I watched YouTube for 23 years, and I saw every message on... No, it's because you stink. He says, the foolish things of the world confounded the wise. Well, what's, your, what's the requirement there? That you were foolish. You, church, when I read that the first time in my life, I was in Teen Challenge, and that's for people being foolish. And, and I read that, and I went, I qualify. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm like, God, I don't know anyone as foolish as I am. You can use me. And I believed it. And he did too. He was like, finally. You're not that sharp. I'm like, you're right. <laughs> I went around the same mountain over and over and over. And he's like, don't do that. I'm like, I think I can do it this time. This guy's a knucklehead. I could use him. He won't take my glory. And I tried to once. Once. Guess what? If there's anything good, and hear me, church, if there's anything good that's coming out, it's him. I will guarantee you that. It, and I will tell you, when it's not good, it ain't him. It's me. And the sooner you understand that, the better. And it's the same with you. If there's good things coming out of you, it's Christ in you. That's the hope of glory. And when it's not, that's just your flesh. And we got to crucify that dude. Throw some big stones on top. Don't bury him shallow. But, man, sometimes I baptize myself in the pool. Drowned. Die, flesh. What are we doing? Where are we at? Be sober. Be vigilant. He cares for you guys. Peter's saying be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith. Resist him. Now, who is this adversary? The Greek word for adversary means an opponent in a trial or in a lawsuit. Now, I had known a little bit about that. 
you have a prosecutor. Anyone that's been to court, if you've ever done anything, and you go, like, there's a prosecutor who represents the state, and they are against you. That's a weird feeling when you go before a court and it's you versus the state of California. You're like, wow, that's a lot of people. I feel a little, like, a little, <laughs> I think they might win. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> and they have someone who's the prosecutor. This is, this is who Satan is. And I find it interesting that it's an opponent in a lawsuit. You see, in the first covenant, it was all about the law, about you obeying the law. And Satan comes and goes, they violated that law. They broke that law. He didn't do that right. He didn't do that right. Oh, he failed in that law. You got to prosecute. Anyone else ever hear that? That voice, oh, you failed that. You, oh, yeah, that's, that's the devil. That's his job. So don't be surprised. People get so hung up. Oh, my gosh, the enemy told me that I, I was horrible. The enemy told me I was going to fail. The enemy said that I was never going to be that. So what? That's his job. He just, I mean, that's what he does. That means he's going to keep doing that. But, but the rest of that verse, he says, that his, we have an adversary. You know what that means? We're not friends. He's against me. That's his role. He hates me. He hates you. He's your adversary. Goes on, he says, the devil. Well, that word in the Greek is diablos. It means false accuser, slanderer. False accuser. He's going to come and he's going to accuse, but guess what? It's false. And we get so hung up and we get so spun up. Oh no, he said that I was a sinful person and I did all these things. So what? It's under the blood. Yeah, you broke the law way back then, but his blood speaks better things. His blood speaks better things. The father's going like, what are you talking about? I put that in the sea of forgetfulness. It's cast as far as the east is from the west. Who you been listening to? Remember the garden? Who told you that you were naked? Who you been listening to? Why do we get all hung up? We have an adversary, guys. He's a liar. He's a false accuser. He, that's the natural to him. And he's going to do that as long as you're alive because he hates you. But we better know who we are. We better know who we are. We better, like, we better know the word of God. We better be able to say, devil, get behind me. Do you know who I am? I'm a son of the most high. I'm a son of the most high. When, when, when my father looks at me, he goes, that's my boy. That's my boy in whom I'm well pleased. And the devil's throwing out that accusation, and I can go, um, the cross 2,000 years ago, the blood of Jesus. It's pretty awesome. Satan hates the blood of Jesus, by the way. The blood of Jesus cleansed me from all sin. All sin. The father, hey, Satan, check this out. The father sees me as if I've never sinned. It's awesome. That's how he sees me. What else you got? You just reminded me how awesome Jesus is. Yeah, I used to be that, but I'm not that no more. He chooses to see me as sinless and spotless. God is awesome. I think I'm just going to begin praising him right now. Now, what happens if you start doing that every time he's bringing accusations? Oh, he's going to go somewhere else. He's going to start telling the other demons, hey, don't go tell him. Every time we go tell him, he starts worshiping God. I hate when people worship God. Come on. But, but did you know, like, do you hear that voice? So what? He's the accuser. He's a liar. It's not the truth. Like, when you know the truth, like, when you, like, if someone comes accuses me of something, they're like, 
yeah, pastor, you were over there and you were getting drunk and I saw that. I'm like, bro, I was at home watching a race. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, but I'm like, I don't care what you think. What? Carry on. Like, what if I would just, oh, my gosh, babe, this guy came and told me that I was drunk and I was doing this and that. And, and it's like, well, were you? Well, no, but he's saying, and I, if I continue on and on about that, and I, can you guys pray with me, April? The devil doesn't like me. He's accusing me. Would you pray with me? He said, I, you're really like, get a grip, pastor. Did you do it? No. Or did you do it? Well, yeah, 20 years ago. Did you ask Jesus to forgive you? Yeah. Get a grip, man. He's a liar. His job is to kill, steal, and destroy. Why are we surprised? Why would you listen to that? His blood speaks better things. That's like scoreboard. Hey, devil, let me remind you of your future. I've been bought by the blood of Christ. I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed. You're in trouble. You're not. Amen? He goes on and he says, like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He walks around like a roaring lion. All these big, big claims. He is under our feet. He is under the rule and authority of Christ. We are the body of Christ. He's under my feet. Roar all you want. You ain't got nothing here. Now, guess what? When I wasn't bought by the blood, he had something. He could chew me up and spit me out. I was running with him, and he, he, was, he had me convinced that I, I could get super close and nothing would happen. And he was like, yeah, keep coming. Come a little closer. Oh, yeah, you're that bad. Come on. Guess what? The truth is now, he's under my feet. He can roar all he wants. I'm like, uh, you're not the lion of the tribe of Judah. I know the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's my daddy. Do I need to go get him? Get on out of here. That's where you need to be. What are you doing? How did you get out from underneath my feet? Get back under there. He can only have what we give him. Yeah, he comes as a thief, but guess what? If someone tries to hold you up with a squirt gun, you're pretty dumb if you give up the goods. Give it up. I'm sorry, that thing's pink, and I think it's water in there. <laughs> you knock it out of their hand. That's what he's got. If you're a son or a daughter of God, you've got the authority. He don't. Now try that if you're not. How many, how many think you're going to go run with, you know, snap things out of the devil's hand when you're not a son or daughter of God? Don't try it. You better get right with Jesus. You better get some things right. You better know who you are in Christ because you ain't no one outside of him. So resist him. Steadfast in the faith. James says if you resist him, he will flee from you. That means don't play along with the lie. Don't, don't entertain it. You resist, you go, no, that's not the truth. Get behind me. No, that ain't the truth. I identify, that's a lie. Get out of here. You don't entertain it. Then it says, steadfast in the truth, in the faith. You guys, 
the in and out thing, you can't do it. That, that, that season's over. If you want to have any authority, any power in this day and age, you better stay steadfast. You better recognize who Jesus is and who you are. And you better submit yourself under him. And you better get the word of God planted deep in your heart. And you better stay steadfast, steadfast in the faith. What is faith? That's a confidence. See, there's a confidence of who I am in Christ. Now, I have no confidence outside of Christ. I've proved that for a lot of years that, that I'm a complete mess. I will wreck some stuff, and I'm good at it. But in him, in Christ, there's some good stuff can happen. Outside of Christ, not so good. So, but there's a confidence, and, and, I'm, and as long as I stay steadfast in my faith of who he is and who I am in him, we're good. That's a good day, and it's the same for you. Now, a great question there would be, how do we do that, Pastor? How do we stay steadfast? Somebody, please. Thank you. You guys asleep? What the heck? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. I think we should follow the example that Jesus did. Someday I'm going to preach down there and you all sit up here. It is warm up here. After Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit led him up into the wilderness. Do you see that? It wasn't Satan. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. Aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit led Jesus up into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan so we can see how we get down? I'm so glad that I, I can see this is how you're supposed to do this thing. So he goes and he says that he was to be tempted by the devil. Not a demon, the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, just to make it fair for Satan, Jesus said, I'm going to get as weak as I possibly can. I'm going to not eat for 40 days. Now, how many of you have fasted for 40 days and then you've went and, went and attempted to do very much? But Jesus fasted 40 days, and I think just to make it fair for Satan. Like, I'm going to be as weak as you can possibly get, and then you can come and tempt me. I never heard that before, but thank you, Holy Spirit. He was hungry. Amen? Was he, was he human? Was, you think you're hungry after 40 days? I'll tell you, yeah, you're hungry. He was hungry. Now, what did Satan do? Did Satan come and tempt him in an area that wasn't a weakness, wasn't a challenge? No, he went right to the place. Oh, you're hungry. He tells him, why don't you turn these, these loaves, these, these stones into bread? But the first thing he challenges is he makes a statement. He says, if you are the son of God. Now, you guys, we need to pick up on that. If Satan challenges Jesus himself to who, his, who he is and his identity... You are foolish to think that he's not going to test your identity and who you are. Because that's what he's challenging over and over and over. Now, Satan comes to... Now, do you think Satan didn't know who Jesus was? He knew. He was in the presence of God. He knows that Jesus was the Son of God. He knows that Jesus is God. He knows that. But he comes and he's questioning Christ in his weakness, in his humanity, and says, If you are. If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But what's Jesus do? He says three words. 
it is written. Church, I'm going to tell you, if you think you know how powerful this word is, you haven't begun to understand. I haven't begun to understand. When I seen this, this is something that so stood out to me. God's word is so powerful, and it is eternal. It is before time, it is after time. The answer that Jesus says, it is written, is a word that will never change. It is done. The word of God, when it, it, is, it is so powerful that no matter what happens in time, no matter what transitions, that isn't changing. So Jesus says, it is written. That is the KO blow. Satan came. Oh, if you, it is written. He could have been like, he could have had a big, long conversation. Satan, we created you. You know who I am. Like he could have had this big old, no, what's he do? It is written. This word is so powerful. He drops like a nuclear weapon on Satan. And here's, here's why it is, because it's the truth. Church, you need to hear me. If there's ever a day in an age that truth needs to be told, and not just, it's not your truth. Well, my truth is no, no, that's not truth. This is the truth. It is written. And you better know this truth because this truth is like atomic bombs to the kingdom of darkness. It is so ridiculous. I got to person, I've been watching this happen. I've been watching people that were so wrapped up in so many different dark things. And the word of God comes and it just boom, blows it all up. And their hearts are ready to receive and their hearts are tender. And the word of truth comes and they're set free. Satan hates the word. He will do everything he can to keep you from it. So Jesus says, it is written. And that's like, a, it sends shockwaves through the kingdom of darkness. They're like, no. It is written. We can't do nothing with that. No, you can't. Church, we need to know this thing. You need to know that, that the truth of God is so powerful. When Like I got to witness to someone this week who, who's like, I don't believe in God. I don't believe. They got all this stuff going on. And I get to look, I'm looking him straight in the eye and saying, here's the truth. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came that you'd have life and have it abundantly. <laughs> truth. You guys, I don't know if you've ever been on way the far side of darkness, but I have. And you cannot help to hear truth. Truth is truth. And it, goes, it cuts past the head. It cuts past every argument. And it penetrates deep down into the soul and into the spirit. And that truth will accomplish every time it's set out. So you can say all you want about, well, I read this in this book, or this counselor said this. I, and I'm not against counselors or books, but if they're not agreeing with what the Word of God says, find a new one. Because the only thing that's going to bring you freedom, the only thing that will destroy the kingdom of darkness is the Word of God. It is written. And Jesus said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. By every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. You guys, that is present tense. It's not past tense. That didn't mean it is written because he said it back then. Jesus said it is written. That every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. You guys, that means that was bread. Satan said, turn out. No, no, no. I don't need those rocks to turn into bread. I've got bread that you don't know of. I've got bread. All I need is the words that are proceeding out of my Father's mouth. Guys, the manna that came down out of heaven in the wilderness, it was fresh. And, they, and God wanted them to go get it every single day to feed themselves. Church, it is written. What is he writing? What is he speaking to you daily? That's what you need to be feeding on for this day and age. You going once a week over there and grabbing some food, that ain't going to cut it. It ain't, it ain't going to cut it because that stuff's going to rot. Jesus taught him, hey, you go out every day and you get what you need for the day. 
And then only one day a week, double it up on the Sabbath, and, and I'll feed you. And they would try to store up any more than that. It was rotten. You can't store up what you did in the past. You've got to go daily and get the words that the Father is speaking to you, fresh manna for the day. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father, not just what was said. Are you hearing me? That's, that's revelation. We've got to have that today, church. That's, that's what you're going to need to live, live on and survive on. He goes on. Satan tries it again. Now, now I will tell you, he's persistent. Don't be, don't be freaked out by that. No, just because you told him, hey, beat feet, and you gave him the word, he'll come back. Just know that. It's okay. He's dumb. Like, he's hard-headed. He, the only good thing I'll say about him, he's persistent. He will keep coming. But just keep firing away. It's awesome. So, so he does that with Jesus again. And it says the devil took him up into a holy, into a high place into the holy city and the pinnacle of the temple. And he said, if you are the son of God, there we go again, questioning who he is. Don't be surprised that he's going to question who you are. You better know who you are, church. If you are the son of God. Now watch what he does. Throw yourself down for it is written. That's why it's real important not to know one verse. You got people running around with their shoes. Philippians 4.13. Oh, I'm saved. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can you really? Can you really do all things? No, what Paul was talking about is like, yeah, you can overcome hardship. You can overcome shipwreck. You can overcome not having any money. You can overcome those things. Not like, I can play baseball and make a million dollars because I got 413 on my shoe. That's what the day and age we're in. Like, I'm going to take a verse and that's my verse. Well, Satan knows the Bible better than you do. He'll come, oh, it's written, and you better be able to go, well, it's written in 50 other spots that that's out of context. You better be able to know the word. So Satan comes, and he brings the word. Now, what's Jesus do? Jesus didn't freak out and call a prayer meeting and go, oh, no, Satan used the Bible. What do we do? He said, yeah, it's also written. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on it. He's persistent on a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, and you guys might not understand what Satan's doing. Satan's tempting Jesus with a crossless way to rule and reign. You don't have to suffer and die. You don't need to do that. He tried real hard to get Jesus to not go to the cross. I'll give you all the power, all the authority on this earth. You can have it all. Just bow down and worship me. And don't think he won't do that for you. Oh, you're having a hard time. I'll make life easier for you. Oh, you're struggling? Oh, just, just go do this and I'll give you some money. Oh, you, you're seeking fame and power? I'll give you some fame and power. Just come down, bow down, kiss the ring. Oh, let me tell you, you'll be a slave, all right. He'll give you part of it, but he ain't going to give you all of it. Jesus saw that afar off. I love Jesus' response. Then Jesus says to him, away with you. You guys, this fight isn't as big as we want to think it is. I love that. Jesus is like, away with you, Satan. I love that. Like, I'm thinking like, oh, dude, this is like ding, ding, round three. Like, he's coming like, oh, we're going to go. Get on out of here. Just get on out of here. Don't you, you guys, that's what we need to do. 
it is written. He goes, it is written. Away with you, Satan, for it's written. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only, and you shall serve him. The devil left, left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. He resisted the devil, and he had to flee from him. It will be the same for you. We need to know who we are in Christ. You need to know this word. It is powerful. You guys, the circumstances that we're in or that we're going to be headed into will not change this. That's why this whole world system wants to come against the word of God. I don't know. There's no one. I don't think there's anyone that's alive. We have someone that's 91, 92 in here today. They, I guarantee, have never seen a world system that is so contrary to the word of God or that wants to see the word of God removed and taken away. You have where they're trying to take all the, anything that has to do with God off of monuments, off of buildings, out of the schools. Why? Why? Why, does, why, does, why do governments around the world who are anti-God, the biggest thing they're like, get the Bibles. Take all the Bibles out of this country. They don't care about the Koran. They don't care about the books of Hindu. They don't care about all the, they, get the Bible out. Do not let the Bibles in this country. Oh, I wonder why. It is written. This is powerful, church. That's why the dictators don't want the Bibles in, because the Word of God is going to bring some freedom. The Word of God has some power. The Word of God will come against any darkness, and it will conquer it, and it will attack it. And you can get the Word of God in you, and then you know the truth. And guess what? The truth sets you free. No one's going to stop the Word. It's back because every single time you bring the word, it will accomplish the, the purpose it was sent out to. That's why we are very strong in the word. It goes out, it will accomplish everything it's sent out to do. That's why we do that. That's why you feel so, there's such an attack on you getting in the word. How many have been like, you set that time aside and then, ring. Someone's knocking on the door, the phone's ringing. Your messages is going off. This is holy. This is powerful. This is your offensive weapon. You need to know it, church. I got to close. I ran way out of time. And I don't even know where I'm at. Besides Sutter Creek. Peter was trying to teach the, the leaders in the church to be steadfast, to know the word. If there's anything I can get you to do, and I challenge you, is not to follow a religious system. It's not to, it's not, you need the church. I'm not saying that because I'm a pastor. I'm saying it because Jesus said it. He's the one who designed it. He authored it. He said, it says in Hebrews that as you see the day of the Lord approaching, do not forsake the assembling together. That's the church. The church is the assembling, the coming together. It's not the building, but it's the coming together. Do not forsake that as you see the day of the Lord approaching. Well, I don't know about you, but the day of the Lord is approaching. It's like on 150 miles an hour, mock speed with his hair on fire. Like it's coming. The day of the Lord is coming. Why do we not want to forsake that assembling? Because we can build up one another in our most holy faith. We can iron sharpens iron. We can, when you see a brother or sister is struggling, well, we can give them their thoughts and their opinions. Oh, no, no, we can bring them the word of God. Well, you know what? I hear you, but this is what the word of God says. And let me minister to you that in the word of God. Why? Because it's powerful. 
And then you go and you go, Satan, guess what? I identify that's a lie. I'm going to implant the truth right there, and the truth's going to set them free. That's how powerful that is. And some people go, well, yeah, I can sit at home and read the word. Yes, you can. You can read the word, but I want you to go and read of all the scripture and see where you're supposed to assemble together. How can all those other gifts that we've been teaching on happen if you're all by yourself? You're not supposed to be all by yourself. You're supposed to be in the body, attached to other parts of the body. You are a part, but you're not the head, the eyes, the ears. You're not the knees. Like We need every single part, amen, to accomplish that mission. And we need to be healthy. We need to be united. So church, in this day and age, do not forsake that. You don't, don't think you can just go be a Lone Ranger Christian. Because I don't think you're going to be able to pull that off too good in this day and age. You need one another. And you need to, like, it's not about just singing the songs, which I love worship. But you better get in the Word of God. You better know what the truth is. Because there's a lot of false, there's false teachers, false prophets, false everything. There's a flavor for, oh, well, doesn't the Bible say this? Well, doesn't the, you better know what the Bible says. You, you got to know what the truth is so you can spot the error. You got to handle the truth enough so you can go, that's not a real hundred. Amen. How do you know? Well, I've handled enough. When I was a jeweler, I could spot a fake diamond pretty easily. Not at first, but the more I handled it, the more I examined it, the more I, I learned and studied it, the more it was a lot easier to go, oh, that's not real. And someone would come in and go, would you clean my diamond ring? And as soon as someone said diamond ring, I'm like, ding, ding, ding. Most people don't do that. They say, will you clean my ring? So I go, no, I won't clean your diamond ring. What? It's not a diamond. I'm not taking that behind the counter. Because as soon as I take it behind the counter and put it in my machine, you're going to come back and go, what'd you do with my diamond? So you better know what you're looking at. You better know what you're handling. And the only way to know that is to put it in your hand and to get it in your heart. Because what you put in, the Holy Spirit will bring back out. He can't bring back out what you haven't put in. It ain't going to go, well, Mom used to say, my dad used to read the Bible. The devil ain't scared of that. What word are you bringing out against him? So I want you, hopefully you're challenged, encouraged, and built up today. To know that you can resist the devil. You can stand firm in your faith and he's going to have to go. Now he'll come back. But when he does, make sure you got another barrel for him, right? Amen. What was that? Uh, I love my old tombstone movie. <laughs> All right, so Doc Holliday, right? He said, well, you got, you're so drunk, you probably see two of me. I love this line. He goes, well, I got two guns. One for the each of you. We better have the word of God, a double barrel. We better have a few, a few different options because he's going to come back. Oh, you like that verse? Well, I got another one for you. <laughs> and we better do that for our friends and our loved ones and our neighbors. We better be able to do that not just for ourselves, but for those around us. How many's tired of seeing your family members stolen from? You're tired of seeing your loved ones getting beat up and chewed up by the enemy. Then you've got to come alongside of them and go, wait a minute, time out. Go sit down for a second. I'm going to go a couple rounds with this devil for a minute. You need to be able to do that. And how are you going to do that if you don't got no weapon? If you don't have Jesus and you don't have his word in your heart, you're going into that fight naked and he will chew you up. Oh, but let me tell you, if you've been redeemed, 
If he's come into your life and he's called you a son or a daughter, you've got power and authority that you don't even have a clue. And you can call upon the name of the Lord and he'll show up. And you can claim the blood of the lamb that has freed you and that will cleanse them. And you can lead them to a Jesus who will never leave them nor forsake them. But you better know him. Church, you better get to know him. What happened to my feel-good, beautiful stuff? I was feeling that. Well, we don't need it. We got Jesus. Amen. Amen. <laughs> if, uh... Okay, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it just feels better, don't it? If you, uh, if you don't know Jesus today, or you can say, Pastor Steve, I've, I hear you. I know what you're saying is the truth. But I don't know him like that. I used to. Maybe I did it one time, but I'm far from him now. Let me tell you, you're not as far as you think. <laughs> it's one, it's not you. The Bible says you confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart. But I will tell you, sometimes you don't even need words. Sometimes it's just this. It's help. I need you. The Bible says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall 